Welcome to the 182nd episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on May 24th, 2020. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is co-host and the other half of the show, Carlos Rodella. How you doing, Carlos? I'm good, and I have a lot of rants today that I'm ready to rant on. A lot of rants. Are these related to the games you're going to be talking about, or are these separate rants? Are these random rants? Ooh, I want them to be random rants, but no, they're rants about the games that I played, and I'm rant-heavy with the rants. Excellent. I don't have, I have maybe like one rant, but the other one is going to be kind of a happy thing. So hopefully we're going to balance each other out tonight. Whoa. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk though. I think maybe tonight I'm going to be Mr. Positive and you're going to be Mr. Negative. Ooh, it's a switcheroo episode. We changed chairs. I'm sitting in your chair. You're sitting in my chair. Uh, my chair must be like more comfortable because if I'm optimistic all the time <laughs> and now I'm going to go sit in your like really uncomfortable chair and be like, ah, oh, back it's lined with metal spikes. Yeah, yeah. it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome to the show. Um, we're going to get to the games in just one second. But before that, um, I don't have any housekeeping. Carlos, I believe you have a little bit of housekeeping. You got a couple things you want to uh, get off the agenda before we dive into our topics tonight. Yeah, one thing I just kind of like a, a plea and a hope. Um, and also it's a kind of a positive for our listeners in Japan. Uh, an Earthbound comic slash series slash book of some sort is on its way. A brand new thing. I found the website. It's called www.1101.com slash mother underscore project. I don't know much about it. It's all in Japanese. I'm not proficient yet. Uh, I can read some of the hiragana katakana, but it seems like some sort of comic and it is not translated. So my plea is that I hope it gets translated for um, English-speaking people, U.S. market. Uh, if not, uh, Japan gets something really cool soon. And yeah, I just saw that on Twitter somewhere. Is this an official Nintendo-backed thing, or does it have the developer involved, or is this just like a fan project? I think it's a fan project. I don't think it says Nintendo on the website. <laughs> I, I, by the way, the website is 1101.com, so probably not Nintendo. Um, Keeping it on the DL so the big N doesn't catch wind, huh? Yeah, Ho- it's Hobonichi Mother Project is what it's called. Hobonichi Mother Project. So I don't know what okay. it is. It's some sort of project, but I love Earthbound so much and Mother Series. I just thought I'd mention it to all our fans of Earthbound out there. Maybe somebody who is well-versed in Japanese can maybe uh, drop a dime and let us know what this project is all about. I mean, Google Translate works on those pages sometimes. Not always the greatest, and it doesn't work on images, really. So if anybody knows... Fill Carlos in. Let us know what this is all about. Yeah, we'll get back to it. And we'll do some research as well. Uh, again, we don't do research on the show. We just mention things. So that's exactly right. <laughs> uh, and then also, I just wanted to reiterate and make sure that people follow us on the YouTube. Um, just search for So Video Games Podcast. Uh, is that it? Just So Video Games Podcast. I think on I YouTube. Believe so. Yeah. And then you'll find our animated clips, and then we're going to have a new one from this episode, so you can find it there. And if you haven't checked those out, it's kind of humorous. I find that I uh, I laugh a little bit when I'm watching these. I think they're pretty cute. I think Carlos does a great job. If you want to uh, have a little, yourself a little chuckle, go check it out. They're, they're just okay. I love how you're like, listen, you won't want to go check it out because I laughed like once. So, you know, <laughs> it might be I worth think the, it. <laughs> the thing that's funniest to me, and I won't spoil this for people who I guess haven't seen the clips yet, but I think the funniest thing to me is just like, 
the dichotomy between my character and your character. I think it's just if something about that is just really hilarious. And that yeah. does crack me up legitimately. So if you haven't checked them out, go check them out. I think it's it's worth a click. I'll say that much. It is. And I will also say one more self-promotion housekeeping. Um, I'm sure whoever's listening to this, you find us through our podcast uh, system you use. But we are on SoundCloud. And if you like check us out on SoundCloud and that's where you're like listening to these tracks, because we know a couple hundred people listen to almost uh, a lot of the episodes, uh, follow us on there. Because just realize that a lot of people aren't following us. Uh, but I know that probably listen to the show. So follow us and then you'll yeah. get notified of all the new episodes, right? That's very true. And it's weird because, I mean, I we publish the show on many, many places. We publish on SoundCloud. We publish on Anchor. We're on the Apple Store. Like, I mean, I, I believe we're on pretty much everywhere that we can possibly be. But it's really hard to get like an aggregate of all the metrics. And if you use your podcast... Um, I don't know, like program, like I use an app on my phone and I don't know where it grabs it from. It's just like a totally separate app. So I know that we have people who listen to us on all those individual hosting sites, but then there's also a bunch of people who listen through their apps and who knows where that feed comes from. So it's really tough. If you could just take a moment and like follow us on whatever program you're using, if you use one of those hosting programs or anything, like any of that would really help us get a good feel for how things are going. So yeah. take a moment if you can, click the little heart icon, the star icon, the fave icon, whatever. It would be it would be great if you could. If you can't, I get it. It's a hassle. You know, it's annoying when people ask for those things. But if you got a minute, you got a second, maybe you do that. Yeah, I, I just I just bring it up because I notice even me, like when I watch stuff on or listen to stuff on SoundCloud, yeah, I could just easily like heart or follow or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then just and fi- and like not forget that a new episode is up or something like that. So I don't know. Exactly. Okay. That's it. Housekeeping finished. Cleaned house. Housekeeping is over. Clean house. Nothing left in the house. All right. We are a no bullshit, no fat podcast. So we're going to get right down to brass tacks tonight. Carlos, I'm going to start off with you tonight. Uh, you've got two games on deck. I've got two games on deck and we have some listener Q&A. Let's start with you, sir. Uh, Mafia 3, the remaster. Uh, tell us all about this. Well, it's actually the Mafia collection, and I played Mafia 2. So I'm going to talk today about Mafia okay, 2. Okay, totally. I'm going to walk it all back. It's okay. Totally made the biggest error possible on a podcast. No. Erase all that. You, you didn't, because right. even if it was Mafia 3, I was going to talk about the whole trilogy, because they just released this kind of package. And it is like essentially a definitive edition of all three. So you didn't. I mean, still, I feel like I need like a record scratch, like, oops, how did we get here sort of thing. And that's fine. We'll go back. We're going to do Mafia 2. But it's funny that you bring this up because I uh, am a games editor. I spend several hours every day just reading news, reading game related emails, being on game Twitter. I feel like I live and eat and breathe and sleep video games. And this came out of nowhere for me. I got no PR about this. I didn't hear about it coming. I don't know how people found out about it. And then the next thing I know, like three people at Game Critics are playing it. And I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? This kind of came out of nowhere. So how did you even find out about this? And are you going to go through the whole thing or what's in the package or tell us all about it? Yeah. Um, so I will. My rant and my review is around Mafia 2, which we'll go to that in a minute. Um, and I found out about it through Twitter. I'm pretty sure a tweet came by and it said something like, definitive edition, what? Like other people were just as confused as you were. And then I was like, of course, I, I don't know if we've talked about it in the show, but I love the Mafia series and I actually really enjoyed 3. I played a fuck ton of hours in 3, uh, completed it, played all the DLC, 
and really enjoyed it, even with all of its um, shortcomings. And, and Mr. Open World, I mean, you dig these kind of games. This is like your jam. Oh, this is my jam. Open World and kind of like seeing how NPCs react and AI and just messing with shit. Uh, and as you know, every single one of these games, I cause a traffic jam. Like, that's the first thing I do. And just to Hashtag see. Hashtag that's so Carlos. That's what you do. Hashtag that's so Carlos. Yeah. I basically create a traffic jam in every open world game there is, including Assassin's Creed. I once created a horse traffic jam. And that is on Which the is really the worst kind because those horses have feelings. You know, they get confused, they get frustrated, can't pull those carts right. They know they're going to get like less hay when they get home because they fucked up. It's it's a bad it's a bad mess. I thought you were going to say it's worse because they poop a lot. Oh, I wouldn't go there. This show's too classy for that. It is. <laughs> wow! Thanks for taking us straight to the gutter. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> okay. let's talk so, about mafia. Which mafia, mafia series? Are you yeah. So what? Here's. Let me give you a little background. If you haven't heard of it, this is the first time you're hearing about it. Essentially, what they did is they cleaned up, and I'm going to use that with quotes around quotations and very loosely say cleaned up, remastered, uh, two and three. And one, Mafia One, they're building from the ground up, which is really Oh, really? Exciting. Okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So that one's not ready until August, August, I think. And so what happens is they're putting the finishing touches on that game. You can buy the whole series right now uh, or buy them piecemeal. So I'm just going to buy one when it comes out. But that is very exciting to me because that is going to be closer to what I'm going to talk about in the second game today is Saints Row the Third Remastered. That is more of an actual remaster, and they actually rebuilt a lot of the assets mafia one they did that so they essentially created all new assets and it's going to be a cool new experience now mafia two and three they did very little too and so part of my rant well, I, is you know i have not played these games i know what they are but like for people like you said for people at home these are all open world games third person i know the first one is like the traditional like italian mob sort of a thing yep uh, three was the one where you were like uh, a guy returning from Vietnam and you were black. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's and then a very... there's like a lot of racism stuff in that one. Yeah, a lot of racism stuff. I mean, there's actually racial stuff in both two and three. Um, I don't know. I've never played one, but essentially it's the it's it's the Godfather mobster fantasy, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. But it's told three was told in a very very different way because you were this Vietnam vet. And there was a lot of like different. Uh, character arcs and story things that went on that that felt different than a regular like hey i'm scarface but mafia mafia 2 to go back to that is pretty much that it's it's goodfellas it's um the godfather and it's scarface all in one thing but i'll say this again two and three they have that kind of feel three is definitely a different type of character and different type of story but in these open worlds you know, when you do a cleanup or a definitive edition, you do really expect um, quite a bit done because it's a huge world, but you want to be able to see things better. And lots of times these came out a while ago. So Mafia 2, I think, came out in 2011, I want to say, or 10. So quite a while ago, graphics have obviously improved. But the quick spoiler is for 2 and 3, they didn't do much of anything in the way of graphics. Like oh, it, really? So they ported it, but didn't really clean it up? Yeah, they, they added the DLC, so you get all the stuff that you would, you know, like in one fell swoop, you get all the things you'd want to play in the game. Uh, if you buy the collection, you get, like, special things you can cross between games, which is weird. So, like, some of the coats that are in Mafia 3, you can, like, access in Mafia 2, but they're, like, out of time. 
So like they wouldn't oh, make sense. Oh, so like assets you can use in any. Oh, so you can take maybe maybe like a, a, a camouflage Vietnam yes. jacket yes. from three and play it in the Mafia One or something like that. Which I did not do because I'm like I'm in character here. I'm not a freaking sure. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, so I'm playing two. Let's talk about two for a minute, and um, maybe I'll talk about on the three on the podcast again. I'll go back into it. But I did spend like a hundred hours in that game, and I really enjoyed oh my god, it. seriously that much time? Yeah, it was like. It was an obsession for me, man. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, so, two, I'm started up again, okay? So, here comes some rants. The first rant is, you know, they didn't really clean it up enough. It's not a remaster for sure. And, and they're not saying that. They're calling it Definitive Edition, which technically just means it has all the bells and whistles on the DLC. But, so, more of like a re-release, maybe? Not so much yes. a remaster, then? Yeah. There's definitely no remaster is shouldn't be in it. And I don't think that is in any of the descriptions because that's not what it is so if you're getting it picking it up just know that it's pretty much the first the first version of the game light light uh smattering of maybe lighting fixes and and stuff like that but nothing really uh but what's really interesting is even though this game was made so long ago a lot of people actually talked about when three came out how many things two did better now like that includes npcs and ai that includes things like lighting and textures. What's really interesting about this Mafia 2 is you start and it's snowy and it feels like winter wonderland and it feels like the 50s, is the, I think 40s or 50s, and the music is you know on the radio, the old-timey music. They're, they're very both good at doing period pieces and making you feel like you're in that time era. Mm-hmm. But I think 2 does it better. It just totally immerses you in this world. You feel like you're part of a... You know, the Goodfellas uh, movie, and you're really back in time. And I just think the lighting, everything with the snow is done awesome. So that's okay. a, that's a right. plus, yeah. That's a good, good thing. That's a plus. And then I would say, um, are this all just rants after this? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, no. Is this like a very steep downhill curve from this mm. point forward? As I take a drink of water to get ready for my rants, I'll say this. It, it it's definitely fun again, and I jump right back in. I think I remember starting it a long time ago when it first came out. Very fun. Um, I want to be in this world. I enjoy the Mafia fantasy. Cool. First off, um, and this really isn't a, a rant, but this one and three have like a disclaimer in the beginning that say like, hey, there's going to be racial slurs in here. So because the time period, that's what it was. And I don't know where you stand on this, but I get that they're doing it because it's the the time period. They want to be you know, honest to the what it was like back then. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just still de- it's so weird to deal with. Like I don't like hearing it, and like you know, um, I so, won't even so go into me, it. Let me ask you then. Let me ask you. So I have not played any of these mafia games, but I know about them. I know that the racial thing was a big thing in three and in two. I mean, in three, it seems like to be the point of the game. Like you're you're a black veteran coming back from Vietnam. You're dealing with the KKK. You're dealing with racism. That makes sense to me that you would have that content in there. But as far as I know, and please correct me if I'm wrong, um, Mafia Two is just like your traditional, you know, mafia story. Like you're, I'm guessing you're like an Italian American person, and you're in what New York or the East Coast or something. Yeah. I mean, pretty standard. So I'm guessing what you're hearing what racial slurs for like, you know, Irish people and Polish people or like other Italians is, is what I'm assuming. All of that and black people and, and really, really messed up ones were for the black people. 
Mm. Like, like African-Americans are not, I mean, again, it's what probably happened. I mean, not what probably, what did happen, you know? Well, um, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this then, because I, you know, this is a sticky situation, right? Like, I feel like we need to be honest about history and about things in the past. And so you can't really look away from that. But at the same time, I think there's also a responsibility to not use that as an example to further engage in that same behavior. So I haven't played this. Like I said, I'm going to ask you, Carlos, based on what you've seen so far, do you feel like those racial slurs are integral to the character and the story that you're going through? Or do you feel like it's just like puffy flavor stuff and the developers are kind of using it as an excuse because they want to use those words? Um, I, I really, I actually honestly think they're just trying to be, honest at the time period it, it it's not pushing any sort of story i'm not like gonna like have a come to god moment for my character my character's not saying them by the way my character's being like oh these people you know like he's just dealing with it but he's actually actually now that i think about it he's not saying these people he's like oh yeah you know like if they're like hey these lazy people are over here let's just use that as a very loose example and they're doing sure. these things and they're just killing each other and taking drugs like that's a line i heard and okay. then, and then my character's like, "Oh man, it seems like that neighborhood's really bad." Then, so he's not like really adding to it, but he's also like not saying, "Hey, you shouldn't talk about them," because that's just, again, people did that stuff. So, this is not even my rant. I haven't even got to the rants yet. Oh God, we haven't even gotten to the rant yet. No, okay, no. <laughs> so let's skip this aside. I okay, just think put, it's, the, put a pin in this for now. Yeah, we put might a come pin back in that in video games in general. But it's there, so just so you know, if you're ever going to play the game, heads up, heads up. Here's the rants. Now, there's bugs in this, and there shouldn't be bugs because if they're going to re-release it as a definitive edition, maybe some of these big normal bugs should be gone. The first one is, for the longest time at the beginning of the game, the the little record player that says saving, which is up in the right-hand corner when it's saving, auto-saving, just stayed there forever. Forever. It was saving forever. So then that finally went away when I like reset the game or like stopped it and, and turned it back on. And then instead of it, a little 2K... Uh, icon popped up, not a little, but a pretty big one, in the right-hand corner of the screen that said, your 2K account is not linked. Oh, and, lame. They want you to go through like the online services so they can track your data and all that shit. Right. So I'm sure I have an account. I forgot what it was. You know, Then I had to make a new one, but I didn't make a new one, so I just basically said, like, fuck off. I'm not going to make one. And so it stayed there the oh whole fucking god. time oh my god hours hours i played the game and it wouldn't go away <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> and i actually oh it was over oh, here's the, it was over top of a meter that i needed to look at there was a meter that showed like oh, some geez. countdown thing or some time and i was erasing the clock and the clock was behind the 2k logo so it's actually obscuring gameplay elements to in, in an effort to annoy you yes to link up your account so they can like you know uh go through your data and sell it to somebody. That's, that's fucking dirty. That's rant. fucking dirty. Okay, so that's rant number one. Uh, kind of a combo of like the stuff on the top right-hand corner showing up when it shouldn't and staying there. It finally went away because I think I successfully linked my account. I didn't want to, but I had to. Secondly... Well, they got their way. They no, they got their the way. Loop. Although they got a empty account, so they didn't really get anything. Uh, the account says nothing. So secondly... And I do not know how this even happened. I mean, you got QA. What the fuck is going on? But I just got these new headphones. I was all excited. PS4 Gold wireless headphones. They have, oh, yeah. They have 3D audio, so you hit the, hit the switch, and it literally kind of expands the audio of any game. 
all excited, get Mafia 2 in, deal with the racial slurs, deal with the 2K logo, deal with the record player thing. Still excited somehow because Carlos pushes on. Click on the 3D audio, excited. During dialogue scenes, I'll say 75% of them, all the audio of the characters is in the left channel. Oh, man. (laughs) That's it. And I just got these 3D headphones. 3D audio. Is it like a, is it not connecting to the headphones or do they just record it in mono? No, it's recorded in mono, I think, but then even when I turn off the 3D audio, it's still in the left headphone. Oh man. And what's weird as fuck, I just said 75% because sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's back to normal. And then it's just like in these big moments it goes to the left channel. And it's just just annoying as shit because I'm not going to play through my you know, I I got these headphones. Uh rant okay that's another rant. rant well i mean you know like you said you buy the deluxe version you want to get the deluxe experience you think that people would take a few minutes to kind of you know polish this up and deliver at least a product that is better than what you could have had in the past right definitive. I mean, it seems like they did the bare minimum of just porting it and then being done with it definitive definitive means definitively done like maybe definitively audio is fixed I mean, but, that's really what the, the term means. I mean, that, you know, look in dictionary, that's exactly what it means. Yeah. It's like the best. It's it's the, the pinnacle, right? This is the pinnacle. Left audio only. Uh, left channel only. Anyways, besides that, my last rant is a rant that you'll hear again, spoiler, in Saints Row the Third Remastered, is I stopped playing this game, and I'm telling you why. Uh, one, it uses those old school mechanics that don't age well, which is if you steal a car... Cops just know that bullshit. You know what I mean? Oh, just like the omniscient. Like yeah. they didn't see you, but somehow no one saw me. I was yeah, in the okay. snow. I did the that block sucks. pick. Yeah, that fuck sucks. that. So, and then on top of that, similar to Saints Row, they just have these open world games. I don't know what they're doing if they're trying to pad like gameplay and give you more hours, but it's just annoying and it makes you rage quit. Some of these like just story beats are too fucking hard. They're just weirdly hard. Like, we just went through this whole thing, almost died, got through it all, and I had these clothes on that, of course, the cops can see. Oh, you're in those clothes, so if we see you, you're going to be, we're going to come shoot you. And the minute I get seen by a cop, and I got to, like, go very far to, like, end the mission, like, that's it. Like, they're going to, five squad cars, a million gunshots, and I'm dead. You do that four or five times, and you don't make it back to the end the mission, you don't want to keep playing the game. Does it make you restart the mission? Of course. Oh yeah, but I'm not. I, I literally, yeah, of course. I, I, you know, muscled through it and like somehow like went into the woods somewhere, <laughs> and fucking, <laughs> you know, just like crouched down on the ground for a while and made it home. But I just despise that, and it's got those. So mixed with the all the weird little bugs, the audio thing is huge, and. Uh, the the just the difficulty that ramps up in these weird ways that don't they don't add anything to it you know um, yeah. and they, again they to their credit they didn't go back in and like clean up gameplay it's just this collection sure 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 so I, I want to say one more thing one more bug that's insane <laughs> because bugs are funny uh, I just had this happen before I got on the podcast I had to shoot some cops they chased us up a stairway we got to this sign posts or you know those billboards and we had to like uh shimmy along the billboard and go you know get out that way like escape at the top of a building go on the billboard so i go to meet my buddy who's going on the little billboard we just 
you know, got some cops in the in the staircase, and they chased us, and we shot them, and I came over there. And so I get to the the billboard, and he's like, come on, buddy, get up here. And I can't get up there. Like, my controls don't let me. Like, the guy just can't go on. He just physically can't climb. He can't climb it, yeah. And I go, am I doing something wrong? And I just did everything I thought I could do, and I'm not getting there. And he keeps moving, by the way. He was still going. He's like, come on, buddy, what are you doing? So here's how I, I, I fixed it. The first time, I think, I don't know what I did the first time. Maybe I jumped off the building or something. I was mad. But the second time, I realized that uh, that there was cops still in the staircase. Now, there, we already shot them enough to get away from them, right? So you or think, so you thought. Or so you thought. Like, do you think, like, you got them? They, they Whatever. So I just creeped back to the staircase and looked in the inside. And there's two cops doing dick all just standing just like, like facing a blank wall, facing the wall like Blair Witch, yeah. you know, just like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm, I'm here. Which is summer. punishing them for losing you. That's what they, they got to face that corner for all. Eternity. Yeah, that's awesome. You stand in that corner. You don't say anything, copper. Well, anyways, <laughs> I go there and of course I trigger them. And then I started shooting them. And when I killed them, then I was able to get on the fucking billboard. Uh, that's yeah, that's that's pretty old school stuff. I think a lot of games have kind of moved past that these days. And hearing you describe all of this stuff, I'm just like, oh, God, I never want to play one of those again. Like, I wasn't the biggest fan of them to begin with. And I remember what they were like back in, like, you know, the 90s or five, ten years ago. And I just eh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give that a shot. That sounds like a bad time to me. I just think that my my rant is um, everybody out there who is excited about that Mafia series, I still think 3 is good, even with all of its bugs, because it's got bugs too. I think it's actually um, just straight out of the gate, like more fun and also easier to start. It feels like this 2 really ramps up in difficulty and for no real good reason. And 1, I would say, I would suggest everybody wait and pick up that because that's going to be literally built from the ground up and we'll have more of a like 2020 mechanic, I would hope. More modern sensibility. I'm sure yep. more quality of life, you know, better approach to, with the knowledge gained from recent years. So, yep. Yep. I mean, that really seems to be like the, the way to go, honestly. Like we've seen so many games recently take that approach where it's still the same game, but they've rebuilt it and they've changed things that didn't work or got rid of mechanics that just people don't accept anymore or that they've learned better ways to get around and those i mean those are really the way to go you want to play a game that plays the way you remember it not the way that it actually played you know because we all look back fondly on something and we forget the warts and the hiccups and the bugs and stuff you want to capture that feeling and you don't actually capture that feeling by literally reproducing the exact same thing you've got to like sand off the rough edges you've got to yeah. deliver what people liked about it but not necessarily all the all the bad stuff that went with it too like final fantasy 7 exactly, exactly you know that was a good example of that so yeah we'll we'll, we'll talk about saint Row after that but uh let's move on to your next game and i would say my closing thought is just get mafia one and if you've never played mafia three i still think that the definitive edition would probably still be a fun time all right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, moving on to me, I am going to be talking about Dungeon of the Endless, which is on Switch. It's also on PC, PS4, Xbox One. I believe it's also on iOS if you swing that way. Uh, I have a very problematic relationship with this game. Um, what it is, basically, I've, I, it's, it's weird because I've seen this game for years. It came to PAX a long time ago. 
I remember walking by it in the hall and like looking at the screen and just not even understanding what it was. Really hard to understand what this game is if you're not playing it. And even after you're playing it, it takes a while to figure out what the fuck is going on because it's it does a few new things. But once you get it, it's pretty good and I like it a lot. Um, to kind of summarize it, it's a top-down, roguelike, uh, pixel-based uh, game where you you have a group of characters. You pick like two characters out of a group of however many and you start at the bottom of a dungeon and you have a crystal. You have to bring this crystal with you, but enemies in the dungeon want to destroy the crystal because I don't know, it smells good because it's tasty <laughs> because it's Republican. I don't know why reasons. they want to just fucking destroy it. Yeah. So many reasons. So what you do is every dungeon is divided up into rooms and rooms are separated by doors. That sounds like a, so what big deal, but it is actually a big deal because this game, nothing happens until you open a door. You could sit in a room for eternity, nothing would happen. But the second you open a door into another room, you could find in the next room treasure. There could be nothing. There could be enemies. There could be uh, an ally. You never know, right? So, like, nothing happens until you open a door, which is kind of nice because it lets you plan and prepare for what you're doing. And basically, the, the gameplay boils down to being kind of like a tower defense real-time strategy, but it's also a roguelike. And it's a really weird blend. Um, what you can do is like you, you look at your map, you look at the rooms, you look at the doors, you don't do anything, and you can set up defenses along the path that enemies can come down, and you can manipulate that a little bit. I'm not going to get in the weeds because it's kind of complicated. It's going to be boring for me to talk about it. But let me just summarize by saying you can affect the paths that enemies walk. And so once you do that, you can set up defenses along those paths. And then whenever you open a door, you've got your defenses ready and you're not going to get swarmed. If you don't do those defenses, way more enemies show up than you will be prepared to deal with. They will chew through you and they'll get to your crystal and it'll be a game over. But you still attack though, right? <clears throat> yeah, you still attack them. Your characters attack them, but just your character is not enough. Like you're going to need to set up like little gun emplacements. You're going to need to set up like little devices that make the monsters walk slower. You're going to need to set up little heal stations for yourself. Like you're going to need to put up a bunch of defenses because it's like big swarms of enemies that come and just fighting them with your characters is not enough. So basically it's like you're in a dungeon, map out the territory, plan the route that enemies are going to come by. You've also got characters. You've got to erect some defenses and then nothing happens. And then you open a door and then like all hell breaks loose and you got to just kind of deal with what's going on. And ultimately what you want to do is you want to find the exit from the floor and just wash, rinse, repeat until you get to the top of this dungeon. I think you have to go through 12 or 13 floors and then you beat the game. So it's a weird mix of like real-time, turn-based, um, strategic, like RPG. Like it's got a little bit from like every category mushed together, but I think it works really well. I love the art style. It's kind of abstract, pixel-based, but I think it looks really cool. Um, once I figured out how to play the game, I really liked it a lot. I really got into it. Uh, big fan of it. What happens so when you I think die, though? Um, what happens when you die uh, is you go back to the start and you start over with nothing. So it is a roguelike oh, in that sense. Oh, not even any sort of progression. The progression that you get is you can unlock new characters. Like, as you go through the dungeon, you will meet characters that are locked. You will you know, you can join them or they can, you know, be hired to join your team. If you can find a new character and pay them enough money to join you and then survive three floors with that character then they will join you permanently and they'll be unlocked for future use and everybody's mm. got different powers some people are real good at defense some people can like brainwash enemies some people can increase the money you get there's all sorts of powers and stuff so i think ultimately there's probably like 16 or 24 
different characters you can get and like they all mix and match some of them have little relationships with each other so that like adds a bonus some people don't like each other that's interesting so it's got a good mix of different elements and it's just like this really clever blend of all this different stuff um i like it a lot i think it works really well uh i think it's a great fit for the switch feels very good on the switch uh and i i just generally like kind of love this game but the problem the problem is uh this game is absolutely utterly broken right now it is not functional the problem is i got pre-release code for the switch uh, with plenty of time to get the review done and what happens is because this is a roguelike and a lot of roguelike developers are like paranoid that people are going to save and like like exploit game saves right you know there's supposed to be some danger in a roguelike you know oh if i die i'm gonna lose all my stuff it makes it tense and i i sweat when i play and it gets my heart beating and you know roguelike developers want that feeling which Mm -hmm. you know it's a cool feeling sometimes um but the thing with this game is is that if you stop playing before you like officially like save your game like like if you were to somehow try to like exploit a save like oh i saved a minute ago but i just died i'm gonna turn the game off before it records my save and i'll just reload my old save if you try to do any weird save stuff it'll delete your save right so what happens is this game code that i got was really prone to crashes and i would get about halfway through the dungeon halfway to it to finishing the game and it would crash and it would count that crash as me oh, trying to yeah. exploit the save system. So then it would wipe all my progress and I would get sent back to square one. Now, like one or two times, I'm like, okay, pre-release code, not a big deal. It crashed literally every single time I played the game. And so I emailed PR and I'm like, look, you guys, I love your game. I think it's really good, but this thing is buggy as shit and I can't play it. And I'm getting pissed off because I can't finish your game because it keeps crashing and sending me back to square one. And I don't like this. And they're like, no, 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 bro code coming code coming hold tight and i'm like okay fine so i put the whole thing on hold i reviewed a couple other games they email me they're like yeah yeah code code is here the patch is here it's fixed go go back in and i'm like okay cool jump back in and it's still buggy as shit i literally have not been able to finish a single game because it crashes every time uh i get about halfway through so i don't know what's triggering it i don't know nothing seems to be the same it's just like i'll just be playing randomly and then all of a sudden fatal error crash erases my progress sent back to square one through no fault of my own and i just can't finish this fucking game you are literally describing like my personal video game hell because a i don't like roguelikes and and i always already feel like i want to die inside if i don't have any progression and then you're like there's very little progression and also it crashes sometimes and then none no progression it's rough man it's really rough um so i mean the problem is that i really like this game when it is working i think it's great i think it's really fun i think it's got a good depth of strategy it looks good it's got some clever ideas it, it feels good on the switch i dig it like i dig it um it's just really really broken right now and they say that another patch is on the way maybe that's going to fix it maybe it won't a lot of other people on the internet are complaining about the same thing and i just got to take a moment to say that i feel like it's really irresponsible uh for this game to be released in this state because i don't believe for a second that nobody knew it was this buggy because literally it has crashed every single time i've tried to play this game like i i can't i can't make it crash on command but if i try to play this game i guarantee you it's going to crash before i get to the end it's it's done it every single time 
So I don't believe for a second that they didn't know it was this crash prone and maybe they thought they're going to ship it now, fix it later, which I already don't like that as a philosophy. I think that's a big problem, but this is such a huge bug, especially for a game that deletes all your saves. I think it's really fucking irresponsible that they released it in this state. I don't know if they did it for the shareholders or they had some kind of fucking deadline or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like if I had paid money for this game, I'd be fucking furious right now because this is a huge bug. It's not a, it's not a graphics glitch. It's not a weird little hiccup. It's like, Hey fucker, you're sent all the way back to the beginning. Start over lulls. Like it's not fun. It make, drives me crazy. It's not cool. So come back to this game, everybody like in three months or in six months, like once it's well and truly patched, I think this is a great game. I really do genuinely like it a lot, but I can't recommend it right now. And in fact, I recommend that you don't play it right now because it is fucking broken AF, but come back to it in like, I don't know, September or something like come back to it before the end of the year. It'll be a good time. It's a lot of fun, but right now, stay away. Yeah, I was going to say, that's now you're in a rant. Like, Ugh, it just, I, it's like rant number two then. It's frustrating, man. It's really frustrating because this is a good game. I feel bad for the developers. I feel bad for everybody who bought this game. And it's not it's not a junk game. Like It's a really good game, and it sucks that they couldn't nail this bug down. It sucks that it absolutely ruins the entire experience, makes it unplayable. It's a shame for everybody involved. Um, so all I can say is come back to it later on once it's been patched but do not spend money on it right now do not play it right now do not waste your time on it right now it's just going to leave you in tears yeah so, i was gonna dungeon say like of the endless Dun- dungeon uh what's it called again dungeon of the endless dungeon of the endless although it's more like dungeon of the you sure you can't finish this fucking game <laughs> dungeon of uh, the bugless no not bugless it's got bugs so yeah dungeon of the bug ridden anyway anyway that's my rant i really like this game uh i wish it wasn't buggy it makes me really really sad so there we go dungeon of the endless play it somewhere else play it on ps4 uh play it on xbox play it on uh pc even but do not play it on switch i was gonna Uh, i checked it out on ps4 because um i don't know i I, this is not like um part of the review i don't think you said but you said it looks good on Switch, and the, the characters and everything is very small, so sometimes I play those on PS4 to see it on a bigger screen. But there's no mm. issues with, like, miniature text, or it looks too small oh, no. on the Switch? No, the text is great size. The characters look good. Like, it looks good. Like, it's a very good fit for the Switch. It's hmm. easy to look at. I'm not struggling with the interface. It's all mapped out really well. It's great. Like, it, it's <laughs> genuinely a wonderful game in all respects, except for the fact that it's fucking broken. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, like I said, or like you said, uh, check it out on other platforms for now if yeah, you're really interested. Absolutely. PC is probably safest. So there you go. Carlos, I've ranted enough. Uh, let's turn it back over to you. On uh, Remaster number two for you on this episode, Saints Row the Third. I assume you're playing it on PS4? Yeah, PS4. And let's, uh, let's rant some more. I All think right. uh, um, the rants are, uh, you know, heavy in this Rant heavy show. That's okay. It happens. So tell us, for people who don't know Saints Row or don't know Saints Row 3, what is what is the setup here? Uh, Saints Row is ridiculous, goofy GTA. That's it. I mean, if, if you don't know Saints Row by now, it's it, it you'd be crazy. You'd be living under a rock. But at the same time, if you don't and you have been living under a rock, uh, A, sorry, and B... Oh, pretty um, uncomfortable under there. It happens. But B, it's uh, it's like silly Saint, uh, silly Grand Theft Auto. That's all this game is. Really ridiculous. They turn everything up to twelve on a scale of one to ten, and it's just like it's usually these kind of games don't like do it for me because they're too much poop humor, potty humor to go back to poop. Um, just ridiculousness. I like sexism is like funny for some reason. Like they do like jokes about it and. It, it just feels like something from the 90s. 
uh, and in general, not like my, not really my jam. But as we mentioned earlier, open world games are my jam. And I was very intrigued by this because there were so many people talking about how many uh, textures they redid, lighting they redid, and literally models and uh, cutscenes they just fully redid. Uh, I just wanted to see what it looked like because I do love um, putting aside the ridiculous story beats, just going around a really amazing looking open world and doing stuff. So just to set the stage a little bit more, have you ever played Saints Row 3 before? Or what is your familiarity with the Saints Row series? Yeah, so Saints Row, I played them all for like a half a second. And then it was like, oh, yeah, I'm hitting things with a big dildo. Got it. I'm out. Because uh, <laughs> you do have that. That's like a main weapon. That is a legit weapon. That is a yeah. true fact. Yes. Um, I think I enjoyed two because it really tried some really weird things with physics and stuff. And again, janky as hell. But I think two is where I got started in the series. I don't think I ever played the first one. Um, and then two was just so weird and interesting. I was like, oh, this is buggy as hell and fun. So I played it. And then I played the, this game that I'm playing now, Saints Row the Third. Didn't finish it. Played probably up to where I'm at now, uh, like three or four, five main missions. And, you know, got tired of the humor and was like, okay, even if I'm just doing normal stuff, I'm out. And then I also played Saints Row 4 Reelected, where you play as the president. And there's a lot yes, of actual... Yes, yes. You played that? I, I actually love the Saints Row series. I think it's really good. Oh, that's played very interesting. Them. Yeah, I think it's really well done. I think it's really funny. I think it's it's more entertaining to me than GTA was. But I like, I like how the game keeps getting more and more over the top as you go. Like, it, one is basically just like... Like you said, it's kind of like a little sillier GTA to still like a GTA and they kind of push it further. Three is where they kind of go off the rails and four is like way out in La La Land. Like four it's is just crazy it's really nuts. insane. It's yeah. super insane. You're the yeah. president. There's aliens. It's just, but the only it's problem like you're with, the matrix or in space. There's like Santa and the reindeer. There's all sorts of crazy shit going on. Well, just really quickly as a miniature tangent, um, I was playing four before this came out. And I remember that I'd started four a while ago, went back to four um, and I do like some of those really cutscenes. Like they do a really fun flashback to the fifties, which is really cool and, and done really awesome. But the minute you get into the game in four and why I did not do not like that game is all just, and this is not a spoiler. Fuck off. If you don't know what this is by now, um, it's the internet. You, you would, you should know. Uh, it's, it's all a simulation. So it doesn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're in like the Matrix, basically. Yeah, and I just don't feel like anything has any sort of like relevant. Like, what? Why do I have to do anything? Because it's all just fake. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> as, a, as opposed to the real life video games that we play usually. I mean, like in three, well, it's super realistic. Here's the thing: if, if <laughs> I need very little to pretend that I'm in a real world, and that thing is like literally saying like, go to the virtual area. You know. Anyways. So that surprises me, dude. We're going to have to tangent here because I'm surprised that you didn't like that because it that to me was really the best of the series because it just lets everything go. Like everything is acceptable. You can do anything. There's so many weird powers like you can fly, you can jump, you can throw cars a million miles, you can just like do all sorts of different things, you can hack things. And it, it just really gave you so much crazy like way over the top freedom as a player to kind of do stuff. I thought that was great. Like I thought it was really, really, really fun. Uh, I'm surprised that you didn't get into it. I'll tell you why. There's a couple of things. Now we're just in you know, Saints Row talk, and that's fine. We'll go back to the game in a minute. Uh, first off, you know, one of my favorite things, and 
I still haven't found my perfect game for it is I just, when I say I like open world games, I want a, a breathing, living, breathing, existing world to, to just like be in and have stories told to me in and like do whatever I feel like I'd like to do with NPCs and jump over buildings and whatever it might be. Uh, or if it's like an old West setting, like Red Dead Redemption is a perfect example. That's probably the closest to what I want out of an open world game where it felt like super realistic and I just felt like everything made sense. If I did this, then this happened. But and in Saints Row 3, the third, it still has those rules. They're like fucking weird and like a tiger can be in your car and you can really be doing insane things. But still people are like, holy shit, look, there's a tiger in that car. And it's a real city and it's um, there's an airport and there's people that work at the airport. Those are all things and that makes me feel like I want to play those games. In this one, it's like, hey, it's a matrix, and there's an evil monster alien guy, and he's like, I'll do whatever I want. Here, do this. And and the whole overarching thing is that nothing matters. The people there aren't real people. And and my mind just goes, well, this doesn't even matter. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) That is is a very interesting. I feel like there is some kind of thesis paper waiting to be written here because (laughs) – it seems like you got a very specific criteria about how you get your sense of immersion and what it takes for you to like really like click with a game. And that's weird because this is the same series. So you would think that maybe maybe the things that people like about the series would be what you like about it. But I think that maybe that's not true. Maybe you're looking for a very specific type wait, wait, wait. of simulation that three has, but four doesn't have. But I mean, I think compared to most games, three is still really, really over the top but you like that one and four goes even further over top, but that was too far. So I think there's some kind of like a, I feel like a psychologist would really have a good time with this. Like they would really dig into this and be like, what makes Carlos tick? What well, is it about this thing? Now that let works me tell you, this thing let me doesn't. tell you, let me tell you, I need it. Now I need to explain myself. <laughs> and this is a psychology moment. <laughs> no judgment this, though. No judgment, bro. It's all no, good. No, I, and I don't feel the judgment. I'm just saying <laughs> this is, here's what it is. So like literally in that game is in the weeds, but like, because it's a simulation, right? You go to areas that should be like your crib or your house, and there's nothing there because it's not really your fucking crib or house. And then I'm like, well, then what the fuck are we doing? They're like, well, go do this thing that we would normally do in the real world, but it's not really the real world. And the and the game keeps telling you that. I don't know if you remember this, but it is fucking annoying because. Every time you think you're doing something, oh, I got a gun upgrade. Then, like, all of a sudden you'll cut scene and the alien will show up and he's like, you don't have any upgrade. You're fucking nothing. This is a dream. And then you go back to the game. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm not in anything then. What am I even doing here? Oh, man. Okay, so we're getting see my defense? really far. I hear what you're saying. And I, I don't disagree with you because I think what you like is what you like and what I like is what I like. I will say... I will say, just as, as a point of reference, I think Saints Row 3 is the worst of the series, and I think Saints Row 4 is the best of the series. Wow. Okay. And I think that you and I are probably on totally opposite sides of the fence on that one. Yeah, but let's, let us let me finish this review of the Saints absolutely, Row 3. Absolutely, absolutely. Get back to Which it. Which is very short, actually, so it's good we went on a tangent, because now we talked about Saints Row 4. Um, Saints Row the third, um, yeah. Where do I start? I think the biggest thing is, when the remastered part and we're talking about remastered. They did an excellent job. This thing looks fucking hot. It's hot shit. It looks beautiful. It looks like a 2020 game almost. Like it's crazy because this came out a long time ago. 
it looks amazing. And some of the lighting and some of the moments I had, like just driving in the rain or driving down like the sunset, um, lighting is, is definitely huge. Just even in general, like uh, cutscenes, like they redid huge assets when it comes to just cutscenes. And like you can see, really see like the, the characters' faces and stuff like that. They look realistic. So all that's great. Like that, if you, if you love Saints Row the Third, there's no reason not to buy it. That's like an easy mini review. Right, if this your okay. one of your favorite games, this they did everything better. Unlike the definitive editions for Mafia, this is just like truly a beautiful like uh, homage to the to Saints Row the Third. In my opinion, they're making a new game right now, and I think it's Saints Row Five because GTA had GTA Five, and I think they're doing this to get people excited about the franchise again. I mean, That's, that would be great. I mean, I think. Um there's still a lot of places that the series could go. I mean, there's a pretty good cast of characters that people have been, uh, you know, interacting with for a long time. There's a lot of fan favorites and, you know, I don't know what exactly they would do because I mean, four was so over the top. It'd be pretty hard to keep going in that direction, but maybe they could change it up. Maybe they could, uh, you know, start with a new cast. I mean, who knows? But I mean, I like, I like Saints Row way more than I ever liked GTA. So if they did That's another so one, I would weird. be interested in checking it out. I can't stand GTA. I, do I know, like but I, I like need another philosophy or like psychological, which I can't say words tonight. Psychological. <laughs> That's a word. Psychological, like, um, test for you too, because like, there's so much like just bullshit, like sexist stuff in, the Saints Row series, it's not, that's just, yeah, it's more, it's more like subtle, I guess, in GTA series, but it's like over the top in Saints Row. I mean, that's kind of what takes the fangs out of it, though, is like, it's so over the top and so goofy, like, it's just like a parody of itself. And often, people will often kind of contradict that, or like, maybe somebody will say something, you know, that's inappropriate or like, just really rude or something, but then somebody else will, will talk about it. And they don't often like, just let it ride. And I think the humor is just really what I like about it the most, because it just makes the whole game like more fun to play. And I just, I just don't like the, the, the quasi seriousness. And I feel like there's a lot of like mean spiritedness in the grand theft auto series that I've never really enjoyed. Um, but also in terms of mechanics, I feel like Saints Row has made more concessions towards players um, I didn't spend a lot of time with the most recent uh, GTA because I kind of I was kind of out of it by then. Uh, but oh, the earlier ones that I played, I was just like a lot of this feels like a drag, and I wish they would make things less friction and just quicker and easier. And Saints Row, I feel like, was more responsive towards making it just more playable in general. And if that meant they needed to break some rules, then they just did it, and I, that worked for me. So I, I'm not going to say that I'm a huge fan of of Saints Row. Like it's not my favorite franchise or anything. But if I had to choose. To play one of those between GTA or Saints Row, I would pick Saints Row every time. Oh my goodness! Okay, we'll save it for another podcast. The GTA versus that's Saints a whole other show. All, all um, right there. What we can do is we can go G- GTA Five versus Saints Row Five because it's going to be a thing. You heard it here first. Carlos predicted it. They're working on that game. Uh, He's here's laying the, down, laying here's, it down. Yeah, here's the only thing I'm going to say about this. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's like fun. It's a fun kind of romp. And I was like, okay, I'll use the cheats. I'll just get ridiculous. They give you everything. Like, there's so much DLC. So much stuff is just unlocked immediately because they're like, fuck, this game's old. You know, let's just let everybody have everything. You can have, like, these weird octopus gun, which is ridiculous. You can do cheats where you turn everybody to zombies. But my favorite cheat is you can turn everybody drunk. So the whole city just gets drunk immediately. And it is some good, like, 
GIF making and video capturing because people just run red lights or like just running people over. They're drinking in the streets. They're, they start like fist fighting each other. That's hilarious. Um, the reason I stopped playing this game and my final rant uh-huh. is similar to Mafia uh, series and other open world games, which again, developers, I don't know what the fuck you're doing and who you're QA testing this with, but some of the missions are just too fucking hard. And I don't know why they're that hard, and I don't know why they're that long, but for some reason in this game, I was like, I'm out. Here's a good example. I'm so over the mission where you have to defend your vehicle, right? Someone's driving, you're out the back, shooting the grenade launcher, and it lasts for 18 minutes. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're like, no, 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 we're almost around another corner. Oh, wave three of helicopters this time. So... Fuck off to all those types of things in open world games. They're not fun. They're fucking not fun. And I don't know why they, you, they keep putting them back in games. But almost every open world game has those same missions. Protect this person. This person will drive, you shoot. You're in a helicopter, you shoot. Whatever it is. All of them suck dick. Like, get them out of here. It's stupid. So there was enough of these, and I was dying in them. And I was like, what the fuck? I thought this was supposed to be fun. It's like fifth, the fifth mission in. You know, then six mission in, dying on both of them. Regular difficulty because it's just weird. It's like, how much stuff do you do? This one, you do this whole thing. It's this, I won't go into it. It's really hard. You finally get done with it. And remember, if you don't beat this next section, it's going to bring you back to the very beginning. Right. You, the second section of something after it was very difficult, you're on a building looking, I don't know, miles and miles away with a sniper gun. And trying to shoot people that are miles away with a sniper gun because it's cool. You know, like, ooh, wouldn't that be cool if his, the character went to the top of a building and used a sniper gun and, like, shot people to help his buddy out? Nah, man. It isn't cool. <laughs> it's, it's fucking dumb, and it's hard to do. <laughs> Have you tried to aim a sniper gun miles away in, in these little teeny, like, NPCs? Stupid. If you're ever on a mission with Carlos and you need backup, you on your own. Carlos will not be there. He will well, not have your dude, back. Dude, I'll I'll, I got your back if like, you're near me, motherfucker. If you are across the city and you're like in the boroughs somewhere, I'm like, nah. You know, you're, you're oh, on your man. own. Remind me to never go on a caper with you. Well, a caper that involves a sniper. I'm going to defend myself. So, All right, so Saints Row the Third. Saints Row the Third. Sounds like you're, you're done with it. Basically. I'm done with it because of those things. And here's the thing. One of the last missions where I was like, okay, I'm done, is that same thing. Out the back of the truck, shoot things till, you know, again, lots of time later. And I kept dying, so I put on the cheat, never die, right? The cheat's mm-hmm. called never die. Sure. Yeah, uh, never die. And so uh, the, the Jeep blew up. And I died <laughs> because the Jeep blew up. So the never yeah. die got overridden by the Jeep blowing up because that I, was really. Yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because maybe your character didn't die. But if the Jeep blew up, you're not able to continue the mission. Therefore, you would right. just get stuck in some kind of like permanent loop or something. So maybe you need Jeep don't blow up. Jeep never like die. Jeep, Jeep never, never dies. Die. Yeah, uh, fuck these kind of missions and games. And and here's I'm going off about it because developers just fucking make another kind of mission. 
because yeah. those are old and tired, and I'm not going back to that game because of that kind of shit. There's, you know, yeah. you know how many more I'm gonna have to go through? There's like probably eight thousand more of those. I mean, honestly, dude, I, I, that's a reason why I don't often revisit older games because when you're going through them at the time and that's, that's the state of game development and that's really your only choice, it's no big deal. But like when you progress in the future and games get smarter and better and they're designed better and the rough edges are smoothed over, it's really tough to go back to some of those. A lot of older games just mechanically don't stand up not you know not through any fault of developers just you know using the tools they had at the time and and what they thought was good design so i would yep. yeah i don't know that i'd ever want to go back to replay any of these things especially open world games which to be perfectly brutally frank they were full of bullshit from the beginning um very few of those i think are really good experiences overall so i i hear what you're saying man and all i can say is i mean they are probably products of their time and I, and I understand that. I just, um, I got fooled because the graphics are fucking amazing, you know? And I was like, yeah. well, yeah. Uh, those look good. So what about, oh yeah, it's that mission again where you do that thing. Um, I will say this, my full rants are all over, but um, I think Mafia 1 might do it. I think Mafia 1 might pull off kind of what I want. So I'm looking for that still. So. We shall see. We shall see. All right. Thank you for checking in on those remasters. Thank you for taking those bullets so we <laughs> don't have to. Uh, one more game for me. We've got some Q&A, and then we're going to wrap it up here, folks. Uh, last game on deck today is a pre-release game that I had to get special permission to talk about, but PR was totally fine with me talking about it in a preview sense. So this is not a review. This is not my final judgment. Uh, so just keep that in mind as I'm talking about this, because that was the only way they were going to let me talk about it before release and release is maybe like i think three or four more days away so it's not super far ahead hold on, hold on. This was, is called, was, the, was the preview a ghost it was a ghost it was the ghost yes that is that is the preview ghost uh this game is called turmoil the heat is on uh i believe this is on pc i don't know that it's anywhere else maybe on ios but i know for sure it's on pc coming to the switch in the next couple of days so funny story, we got sent this code um, just out of the blue because sometimes you have to ask for a code and sometimes people just send you a code. And I don't want to make any generalizations because it's not always the way it works. But usually it's like if it's a really in-demand big game that people are excited about, you kind of have to ask for that. And sometimes if it's a game that is let me struggling for some PR, maybe people don't know about, they just send you a code. And like whether you ask for it or not, now, it doesn't always work that way. And it's not disrespecting anybody i'm not trying to put anybody down i'm just saying like a fact okay so this was one that we just got sent i didn't ask for it and uh, it, it arrived at game critics and the, uh, the funny thing is i i saw this code i looked at the trailer on youtube looked okay maybe not my jam and i'm like i, I put it to the team we've got about maybe 25 26 people who write for game critics at any one given time and i said hey everybody we got this code anybody want this game to review and it was like crickets so i held on to it i held on to it and i was like i asked a couple more times asked a couple more times nobody wanted to take it and to be honest with you dude i kind of felt bad right i'm like well this is like that little you know it's like that little code that nobody wanted to take home this code isn't going to have a home that's kind of sad like it's never it's not going to fulfill its purpose right so i kind of felt bad and i figured if nothing else if it turns out to be miserable i'll just talk about it on the podcast and we'll move on uh who knows right so i took it the only reason i took it is because no one else out of 26 other people wanted to play this game. But and, you know what? This uh, game is actually pretty good. I actually oh, really good. like it a lot. It's actually pretty good. The suspense is killing me. Uh, what's the name I, of it again? You didn't, did you say the name? 
It's called Turmoil, T-U-R-M-O-I-L, yeah. Turmoil, The Heat Is On. It's coming to Switch. Um, so, yeah, this is funny. I never would have played this in a million years if not for the situation I just described. But it's actually pretty good. I had a great time playing it. Uh, what it is, is it is a 2D kind of economic sim that takes place like in the 1800s when the oil industry was just getting started. Like, you know, some somebody somewhere discovered there's a bunch of black liquidy stuff under the ground and it burns and you can sell it for money. So you're starting like in kind of like a Wild West sort of a, an era. You you get a piece of land and you just have to go and dig for oil. So it's basically about just making as much money as you can, optimizing systems. You get a piece of land that you have to bid on. There's a couple other AI competitors that are playing the game with you. Uh, you get your piece of land, you sink an oil rig, and you drill. And the funny thing is that you kind of get like a 2D ant farm view of the land, right? Like it's all dirt. You don't know where any oil is, but you sink a, a drill down. And the drill is kind of gamified. It kind of acts like... Um, I don't know, like a little snake or something. Like you send it down and you think the oil is going to be there. If it's there, you start pumping. If it's not there, then you kind of move the drill around and kind of keep searching around in the dirt until you strike oil, right? Mm. So like once you find some oil, you pump the oil. You got to like real quickly buy some horses and carts to take the oil to the market. You've got two different markets to sell to. You got the left side market and the right side market. And as you might imagine, they are on the left and the right side of your screen. And so you're constantly sending horses to the left if the price is good or if the price falls on the left you send them to the right like where whoever's giving you the best price is where you're going to send your oil so you're watching the, the oil market prices you're watching your drill to make sure you're drilling into the oil you're watching the horses to make sure that they're carrying the oil fast enough and you're watching your your, your oil rigs to make sure that they don't explode because you have to pay for like an environmental cleanup charge which i'm pretty sure is a modern thing i don't think they cared about that back yeah, then in the 1800s they just let it go anywhere back then. Didn't give a shit back then, but they give they give a shit now. So if you spill oil, you do have to pay for it. And so you just do that. Like, you just do that over and over. Like, you divide up the territory that you have. And every once in a while, you go back to town and you can't up your profits. Everything you do costs money. So, like, buying a horse, setting up an oil rig, drilling. Anything you do costs money. So it's a race between making enough oil to keep going and turn a profit uh, against the cost of doing business, right? So I think just doing that is really fun. Drilling the, the drill is fun. Like looking for the oil is kind of a really interesting, neat hide and seek. And I mean, if this sounds complicated at all, it's not. Like I don't mean to make it sound complicated. It's actually very straightforward, very simple. It only took me a few minutes to figure out what was going on. And then the rest of the time was me trying to figure out how to min-max like how many oil rigs should I set up in the beginning and how many horses do I need to not overflow my pump, but then I don't want to spend money on too many horses. And, you know, you're kind of doing those little mental calculations as you go, but it's all very easy. It's all very straightforward. It's all very simple. Um, and it just, it was really just really fun. Like I don't generally like economic games. I don't generally like sim games, but this is kind of a good balance between the action of drilling which is just kind of fun in and of itself. And then like the, the formula is so simple. Like it's just how much did I make? How much did I lose? Like, it's not about anything more complicated than that. It's also kind of educational because once you get back to town, you can go to the saloon. And if you uh, grease a few palms, for example, you will give yourself a huge advantage in the business. Like you may go to the owner of the left side oil company and you'd be like, look, bro, I'm going to give you $4,000. Make sure that you don't pay me less than like 97 cents a barrel or something like so that you're never like selling your oil when the prices are way too low so like if you pay people off gives you a huge advantage in business which is i guess pretty real world 
A lot mm. of businesses do dirty these days, and I think yeah. that's how stuff gets done. And it really shows you that it takes money to make money because if you're struggling for money, no one is there to help you. You can't afford your supplies. You're going to go out of business and go in debt. There's a bank you can borrow from. The interest is really like a hassle, so you don't want to deal with that. Again, real life info. But if you pay people off and you you know exploit the land as much as possible and get them horses running, you're going to be rich. And it's um, it's all pretend. So I, I feel like, you know, I'm not actually like damaging the earth, doing no ecological damage. I did feel a little dirty playing this game because I think that the oil industry is terrible and global warming and et cetera, et cetera. But it's all pretend. It's all in good fun. It's not real. And the game itself, I thought was actually quite good. Um, I really liked it a lot. I blew through it in like maybe two days. I just couldn't stop playing. it. I just did level after level after level. And I just never really got tired of it. It was really, really um, addicting in some ways. So it's leveling, so like but it it's not a campaign. There's no story bit. There is a campaign um, where you do this, you do this uh, oil drilling. And I think eventually your point is that you want to become mayor of the town. Uh, you increase your stocks in the town. Every once in a while, the mayor who's already there will be like, you know, I want to retire. I'm going to sell shares in the town. And if you have a lot of profit left over, you can buy some of those shares. And whoever gets 51% of the town becomes the new mayor and you win the game. So mm. there is a there is a campaign. You can finish it. Uh, it's very simple. It's very it's just straightforward. It's not like high drama or anything like that. But I appreciate they give you an endpoint to work towards. The campaign itself, if you don't fuck up, is probably maybe, I don't know, four or five, six hours long. But in the game, there's also the base campaign. There's like a whole other second campaign, uh, which is fairly similar to the first one. But there's a few extra spins. Like in that one, you'll have to deal more with natural gas. There's also like lava under the ground. There's also some treasures to find when you're drilling. So it's basically the same thing as the base game, but there's a few little extra perks. And if you didn't get enough of oil drilling the first time, then there's like literally a whole second campaign there. Um, I like this game a lot, dude. It was really fun. It was really simple. I didn't think I was going to like it. I never wanted to try it, but once I tried it, I had a blast. I really enjoyed it a lot. It's been something I've, uh, I had a great time with over the last few days and I would definitely recommend it to anybody who's even remotely thinking that this maybe sounds like a good time, I bet you it's a better time than I've described and it's worth looking into. So oh, this yeah. was once again. Yes, sir. No, Turmoil. Uh, what's it called? Turmoil. Turmoil. The heat is on. It's going to be available on. on Switch in the next three or four days. Yeah, and I was going to say, um, one, whenever you were talking about this game, I just kept thinking about uh, There Will Be Blood. I haven't seen that, but I know I know there's a oh, connection. It's there. an intense and much darker movie than I'm sure this game is. Um, but I do like that. Uh, yeah, that kind of just you, you did describe it well. It just seems like a, something that you, like you said, min max and just manage like yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. And it also, for some reason, reminded me, maybe I'm just thinking about this now, but Mule. Remember the game Mule? I have heard of it, but I've never played it. Okay, that's a tragedy, and we need to talk about that and rectify that as soon as possible. I grew up with Mule, and it's one of the probably finest uh, types of strategy games uh, back in the day, and I think it stands to the test of time. But anyways, there's a lot of that same type of thing, like uh, like looking at property and looking at ways to yeah min-max your resources and stuff like that. I, I, I get into that. you know. There's that sim element, and this seems simple and chill. And what are the graphics, by the way? Did you mention that they're just like pixely? It's like 2D hand-drawn graphics. They're very basic graphics, um, but I think it's fine because you're kind of in a zoomed-out view for most of the time. Um, I mean, the graphics are not the greatest. I wish they were a little bit fancier, but it's they get the job done. And it is like, I mean, I think that's really the thing that really got me was like, it was so simple. Like, I don't like getting into like menus and like 
you know, all these little options and doing all this like weird balancing and stuff. Like it's too much for me and I don't dig that. But this is, is it hits that sweet spot where it's, it's complex enough to be interesting, but there's also something else you're doing. Like I think just the physical act of working the drill is pretty fun on itself. And then it's also just simple. Like it's for somebody who's like not a numbers head like me, who's not like a sim guy in general, very simple. You can just get into it real quickly. And I also think it's fairly educational, too. Like, I think you could really teach a lot of lessons um, to your kids if your kids get into this well. Oh, yeah. Great fit for the Switch. I love this. I, I played, like, four or five, six levels at a, at a stretch right before bed or, like, you know, when I was on the couch or something. I love this game. I think it's it's really great. It's a great addition to the Switch library. I might check it out. Um, also, I just remember what it was that when you were describing it that reminded me of Mule, which is in Mule, you, like, there's a stock market thing. And you're checking on prices uh, and at some point for like the resources that you have and you're doing like um, some sort of a game where you and other players are literally you move your little guy up and down on like a price thing. And you're basically trying to like, you know, like trick each other to see which kind of price they're going to sell for. And that's very tactile and tactile. And it's not like uh, menu driven, like you said, it's more just like simplified but it's still got that management element. So I love when games do that. They make it. There is a part of that here too. When you're doing the bidding for the stock market part, that's a very simple, like um, kind of like a countdown clock. And so you're playing like a game of chicken to see who's going to pay the most for the stocks. Yeah. So again, again, super simple, super simple, but it works, works really well. And it's just something about it was so addicting. Like I just, I couldn't stop playing this game. And if you would ask me, uh, beforehand, I would have said this was 100% not my jam, but I ended up really, really liking it a lot. So I thought it was really fun. Well, and again, not that I've said the word enough, but uh, if people like this game, go check out Mule. I don't know what platforms it's on. I'm sure it, it used to be on the Commodore 64. So I think it's on other ones now. But uh, there's some, there's definitely some similarities there. All cool. right. Well, All I right. give it a big thumbs up. Check it out when it comes out in a couple of days. Again, this is not a review. This is a preview. But my preview is that this game is really fun and awesome, and I dig it. So, not a review, but there you go. Uh, all right, folks, that is our main game chat. We just have some listener Q&A and a little bit more, and then we're going to get out of here. A uh, couple questions this week. Uh, first off, let's start with a person who has never written into us before, a brand new person. Uh, her name is Dolores Cheek. She left us a comment at the GameCritics.com uh, website. You may have heard of it. Uh, and she asks us, Carlos, what is the spiciest thing you've ever eaten? Ooh. Ever eaten. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> I'm trying to think. It was... Oh. Jeez Louise. I know... Oh, I'm not... I, I'm just blanking. I can remember the sensation. But... <laughs> I can I, remember the pain. Yeah, I remember the pain. Uh, maybe you go first and let me think. Sure, sure. I mean, there's a lot of jokes you can make out of this, and we're a pretty classy show, as I said earlier. So we're not going to do any of those jokes. Yeah, we'll um, say we'll say horse poop, but you know, that's you know, that's as far as it goes. I mean, I was going to say who's the spiciest person you've ever eaten, but we're not going to go there because oh, that would really, see, that's much worse that, than horse poop. That's why we didn't go there. We're not doing that joke, bro. We're uh, not going to leave that okay. joke alone. Okay. Um. So I think the spiciest thing I've ever eaten is probably just straight up like a like a habanero pepper. Just I popped it in my mouth just to eat it, just to see when I was stupid and young. I mean, I've eaten lots of spicy food. I mean, my I think my spicy tolerance is pretty respectable. I'm not like a pro or anything, but I can eat a lot of spicy food and I'm fine with it. But I think just a straight up habanero in your mouth and just chewing it around is pretty fucking miserable. Like, I really think that's awful. Um, I have had some Indian curry that was like, you know, like a five star 
plus like an LOL sort of thing. And that was just like fire. Like it was just like, it wasn't even, I wasn't even tasting the food. It was just like getting stabbed in the mouth with like a hot poker. And it was just pain. And I think I even blistered up at the end of it. It was not good. I did not finish eating it. So um, that's probably the spiciest shit I've ever eaten. Um, Did my uh, segment here buy you enough time to think of something? Yeah, I just remembered it. Um, And I know exactly what it is because I was crying. Uh, First off, I want to say I love spicy as well. There's a habanero salsa. I think it's called Miss Roberta's, I think. And it's really, really good, and I always get it. So I can deal with spicy. I like it a lot. Um, so that's one of the spiciest things is the habanero salsa. But no, um, I did a thing, and you can see this on the Internet. So it's actually online. But for the company I work for called Midwinter, we're making a video game, and we did a hot sauce challenge, like uh, Hot Ones. And the first level was like ghost pepper chips and they were like pretty fucking hot. But the second level was um, like a chicken nugget with da bomb hot sauce on it. (laughs) Da bomb hot sauce is like number six or seven on the show. Hot ones. So it's it's actually a legitimately on the show where people eat spicy hot wings and like loser shit and cry. And so it was one of those sauces. And we all had like a bunch of us had to do it at work. Uh, and if you search for Scavengers Midwinter or Midwinter Scavengers on YouTube, you'll see me doing it. It's called the Hot Sauce Challenge. And it I was, am going to fucking Google that immediately after we get done recording. Yeah, it. you just Google Midwinter Scavengers or Scavengers Midwinter, either one of those combinations. Go to the Midwinter channel, and it's just look for Hot Sauce Challenge. Um, I I was having a hard time. It felt really bad. Here's the thing. Really hot, really bad hot sauce because it didn't even taste good. It was just fucking hot. Just it, fire. Yeah. It was fire, but it lingers way after, because like we like we finished filming and then it got hotter. Oh man, I hate those hot sauces that give you PTSD, dude. Those are the worst. Where you're we just, had you're yeah. just suffering for years afterwards. Well, not years, but we suffered that, that that day. We were like still like walking around the office, going like "fuck me, what is going on?" So <laughs> there it is. That's a good Excellent. question. Yeah, there's an answer. There it's we on go. The internet. There we go. Thank you very much, Dolores Cheek. Hope we've answered your question, and uh, feel free to send in more questions if you like. Uh, one more question. Uh, this one comes from Thief of Hearts. Uh, he sent us three questions. I think it was last week. We were gonna like break them up, but I think we're gonna we're gonna do one this. We did one last week. We're gonna do one this week. We're gonna do one more next week. His question this week, with the whole staying indoors thing going on, have you tried any tabletop games? And if so, how did that go for you, Carlos? You first. Oh, mine's really uh, easy answer. No. Uh, I'm a single guy in a one room and I got nobody to play tabletop game with. So sad answer. No, I've not. Answer is no for me. uh, Yes, I did. When this whole thing staying indoors, the quarantine social distancing thing started, I had ideas that me and my wife were going to like get into like a tabletop game routine. But I mean, I got to be honest, man. I think we're just video game people. We bought um, Gloomhaven, which is like the big deal giant box is really expensive um super in-depth rpg tabletop uh game took me three days like six people on twitter like three different youtube channel tutorials um and going to reddit to figure out how to play this because neither one of us are like board game pros and we just really couldn't figure it out um we finally cracked it we finally got through the first level and it was fun like i generally think it was fun but we have not played it since because it was like so much mental effort to like 
keep the rules straight and to remember to do all the upkeep things at the beginning of the game and then to you know just like the level of strategy involved i think it was just like too much for what we had mental capacity for right now yeah and i we just you know like the next morning i think we were both playing animal crossing because it was just like easier and all of the calculations were done for you and you didn't have to remember to set up the pieces and it was just like i don't think either one of us had the brain space for it. we also bought um shadows over brimstone i think it's called which is like a cthulhu western which to me sounds awesome haven't even opened the box because we just haven't really been in the board game mood because it just it just seems to take so much effort to like really get a board game going maybe that's because we're not we're not usual board game people so it's kind of like a special deal for us to do it and neither one of us are pros i bet if we had a friend who just like knew these games inside and out and can set it up for us it would be a lot easier yeah if i just had to play probably no big deal but like reading the rules and setting it up and finding the tutorials and watching the videos. Like it's a lot of work and it's just way easier to pop on animal crossing or just to pop on anything that's on uh, the switch or, you know, and just, and just play. So we tried a bunch. Um, I still also have, um, I have a bunch of other games that, that I bought and we just haven't even played them. Uh, there's one Cthulhu game that I really like elder sign. I really want to play elder sign. Uh, have not even cracked it. Uh, there's a few others we bought that we just haven't got to. So I think I had big dreams, but those dreams I feel like are maybe not going to become a reality anytime soon, or at least until our stress level reduces a little bit. So yeah, and I'll say yeah. that to, to kind of add to that, there's a different kind of um, muscle memory and skill mindset, whatever it is, brain thing, to play these kind of more modern, um, complex board games. And yeah. I love them to death, and I just, just right now currently don't have anybody to play them with. But um, so a buddy of mine, Dan Chu, has a show, um, Shameless Plug. Uh, it's a podcast now called Going Analog, and he does a great job with his wife. They just go through pretty much every board game ever and like review them essentially. And when I would go to his house, he would be like, "All right, here's how you do this." And lots right. of times you need that. You just need someone who's either in that mindset and plays them all the time or knows that particular game. And it's like D&D, right? Like you need someone who's a DM and be like, let's, uh, let's, let me bring you through to how this, this game is going to work. So yeah, yeah that's I, what I need, man. I need like a DM. Like there's a certain level of board game literacy. Like I don't know the genres of board game. I don't know. The things that that board game designers just assume you're going to know because they assume you've already played a million board games. So they assume yeah. that you, you know, it's like like when we pick up a controller, we will we will hit like the, the button on the bottom of the controller and like nine times out of ten you jump. And maybe developers don't tell you that. They just assume you know because you played Mario since you're a kid. I think it's probably the same thing with board games where I barely ever play board games and I'm not knowledgeable. And so a lot of things that I think they assume I know, I just don't know. And I, I don't know how to figure that out. And I, some of these logical things that uh, I just, I can't make that leap. Right. Like when I got the instruction booklet for, for Gloomhaven, I was, I was like, oh my God, this is like the most poorly written instruction booklet I've ever read. Like it has left me with so many questions, so many unanswered parts, so many things that were unclear. And a lot of board game people were like, oh, I love that book. It was so clear. And it told me everything I needed to know. And I'm like, okay, so clearly you're the board game pro and I'm the board game noob and I get that and I cop to it. But like, I need way more info way more tutorial way more handholding i wish i had a friend who could just come over and just like you said like dm it for me i would love to do that yeah but me being the dm is i think more than i want to be right now 
Yeah, and I think there's another uh, part of this, like you said, it's just this time period that we're all going through, like a lot of stress and stuff, and we want something that's yeah. like really chill, and we have to like plan too much. But I will say, definitely, everybody check out that podcast, and even you, Brad, check it out because they do like go through uh, the game and kind of like break stuff down. I feel like if you're listening to that podcast often, or if you're like you said, like just playing more often you do get like, oh, this is the deck building part of this game. Like just exactly. like the other game, yeah. you know, yeah, and you would learn it. Yeah. And I, and I was like in the mode for a while, like before, like before him, I was playing with, you know, my ex-girlfriend and then like we met up with them and they taught us some more. So, but I will say to that, um, card games are really good solution because there's so many new modern card games that are much easier to kind of just like pick up and play, I think. Yeah, I think pick up and play is where we're at. If I, if anybody listening to this podcast can recommend some really interesting um, card-based board games or something that's just like fucking simple, man. Like, I mean, I can tackle Dark Souls and Sekiro and I can play like any fucking video game you want to throw at me, like no problem. But like when it comes to board games, I need like the training wheels to be put on for me. So like Dude. if anybody has like really low, super simple, like you can, anybody can play these games and don't need to have any like board game knowledge, that would be great because I keep picking stuff that looks awesome, but is too complicated and takes too much work. I need Dude. like simple. Dude. Munchkin, Flux. Munchkin, yes, I have heard of Munchkin. Munchkin and Flux, uh, Flux with two X's, um, and then my favorite card game is we did not play test this. Um, sorry, my my, my uh, orthodontist uh, trays in our in my mouth, and I keep uh, slurring this episode. We did not play test this. Uh, it's basically like Flux, where you all have like a hand of cards, but all the cards can change the rules of the game. So, like, one card is like, you have a dragon. Put it in front of you. That's all. And then later, if someone has, like, a sword, they were like, that sword kills that dragon. Get rid of it. And it's really, actually, really fun. It, it's more fun than I just made it sound. Um, we did not play test this. We did not play test this. Uh, Flux and Munchkin. Those are my uh, all right. options for you. I wrote those down. I'm going to check those out because I love tabletop games. But I, I love it when people do them for me. I want to just be like the passive participant. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Thief of Hearts, thank you very much for your question. We will answer your your next and final question next week. Uh, we're almost to the end of the show. Carlos, really quickly, we're going to check in with you for any games that you are looking Ooh. forward to. Any game you've got your eye on, a.k.a. the eye on Games Field. Anything on your radar? Eye on Games Field. Uh, two games I was meaning to get to a while ago. So I apologize for that. Curse of the Dead Gods and Darksburg. Uh, I'm looking at both of those. We'll be talking about them in the next episode or the one after, very so very soon. And also, I'm playing Man Eater, and I can't, I won't talk about it yet because you're, I think you're going to be playing it. I'm going to try to get a copy of that, and then we'll talk about that in a future episode. And I'm very much eye on that one because I have strong feelings about it, and I'll leave it as a mystery of what my feelings are. I mean, I'm basically in if you want to sell me a game where you play as a shark that goes around eating people and it's quasi RPG like I'm down with that. So I'm going to try to get a copy of that. We'll see. It would be great if we could both talk about it. If not, then we'll just have you cover it uh, depending on how my review load goes. But uh, okay, great. Thank you very much for letting us know what's on your radar. And folks, that's it for the show. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Before we go, just want to say we'd love to get your questions and your comments. Please hit us up. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter as a show at so video games, but you can also hit us up individually. And I think generally that's better. Carlos, where can people find you this week? Um, 
I guess just Twitter. At oh, your house, probably. Was it? At your house, probably. Oh, no, don't come here. No, no, don't come to Carlos's distancing. house. Get the okay. hell away from here. <laughs> uh, O-N-A-W-A on Twitter. All right. All right. Fair enough. For me, it's the same as it always is on Twitter and Instagram. B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. And that's going to do it for us. Uh, that's the end of episode 182. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks for listening to us rant and rave. Uh, very glad to have you along on the Soviet Games podcast. And we'll be back before you know it. In the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And um, hey, developers. Listen, no more of those guard that person and protect them missions. It's fucking over, all right? It's 2020. No more of them, all right? No new open world game. Mafia 1, I'm looking at you. You're building this game from the ground up. No, don't do it. Replace them. Replace those missions with something else and a bye from Carlos.